Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Good evening and welcome to Country Life. I'm Sinead Hubble and I'll be with you here until 8 o'clock tonight as MJ Cleary is having a well-deserved night off. Coming up, we'll be hearing about farmers who are becoming more concerned about flooding along the Shannon. There will be royalty gracing us with their presence about half seven and you'll learn how to reduce your energy costs this winter. If you have something you want to say tonight, you can get in touch by text or WhatsApp on 083 30 10 103. But first, we are going to turn our attention to organic farming. Leisha's Francie Gorman, who is running to be the next president of the IFA, says when organic funding was uh, first introduced, it was sneered at a by farmers and he believed that he but he always believed the farmers would get on board and follow the money and he made these comments at a recent debate in Leitrim and he says a lot of farmers are now going organic well Minister of State in the Department of Agriculture and Offaly Senator Pippa Hackett announced this week about the organic farming scheme and it's opening very very soon Good evening Minister Good evening Sinead how are you? Very very good and thank you very much for joining me this evening so tell us about this scheme how is it going to benefit farmers? Well, I'm delighted to say that it is going to open again. We've opened it actually every year since this government was formed at different levels. But the, in last year, we opened it um, really with the backing of um, a five-fold increase in supports for organic farming. So I think it's important to say that this is the general trend and the general um, direction that agriculture some part of agriculture is going in, you know, and it's been driven from an EU ambition to get to 25% of, of EU land in organics before 2030. Ireland is coming off a pretty low base. And I think what Francie says is right when you support farmers, um, not only financially, but also with advice and, and um, um, you know, peer-to-peer support, uh, they will engage. And I think, you know, we're going, we're really in a situation now where we're going to see agriculture across the board move to towards a more ecologically compatible competitive um, way um, and certainly organics is going to figure you know importantly in that and so it is it's a good opportunity for farmers um, all over the country but particularly in the Midlands. And it can be very difficult to get people to look at alternative ways of doing things and if the funding isn't in place and then it will be very difficult to get people to make those changes. Absolutely and that's why we do have the the funding in place and significant as I said increase in, in funding for farmers to get involved in organic farming um, I, uh, so you know really the scheme will open on, on Friday it'll stay open until the 8th of December so there's you know there's a good amount of time for farmers to get involved in that but in terms of the supports and the payment rates um, we're really looking at um, I suppose supporting I mean it's not going to be for everyone organics I will say that and I have been upfront with that but it will be for the vast majority of you know smaller farmers a lot of dry stock farmers should really you know look at the scheme examine it, speak to their advisor, see if their farm is suitable and um, and certainly if they're thinking about it to, to engage with it. But I mean if you look at the support rates for, for it's a five year scheme if you like um, and um, the rates are enhanced for the first two years because that's the sort of conversion period um, so you'd be looking at um, farmers during that period, you know, if they're dry stock getting up to 300 euros per hectare, up to 70 hectares for, for two years and then that will um, reduce to 250 for the final three years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dairy farmers will get 350 euros per hectare. There's different rates for different enterprises as well. But what is different, I suppose, about this scheme again is that there's a participation payment rate because there are certain costs. 
you you, know, you have to do a 25 hour course to understand the principles of organic farming you'll also have to you know pay an organic certification body to come and assess your farm and, and you know check you're doing it properly so there are costs and we've take, been cognizant of that so there's an annual participation payment for every um, farmer who joins of 2,000 euros regardless of size mm-hmm. um, in the first year and then that will um, that that goes to 1400 euros per annum after that so the, the payment rates are, are lucrative um, they are much enhanced on previous mm. um, schemes we've had and, and we're certainly getting a lot of interest I mean we've doubled the number of organic farmers you know since this government came to, came to, to be in, in 2020 we are on track for our target which is 10% of the land of Ireland or the, or the farmland of Ireland to be farmed organically um, it's still quite shy of the, orga- of the European ambition but it's still um, it's still a significant significant um, move for, for Irish farmers and Irish farming and I think you know a lot are engaging with it and seeing seeing the benefits. Ultimately I suppose you could look at the challenges we have seen in the last number of years in agriculture particularly in terms of um, input costs, fertiliser costs went through the roof. Um, organic farmers have been insulated from those rising costs very much so um, and they're farming in a way that is conducive to the type of farming we want to see more of into the future. And you mentioned there about the 25-hour course. What's involved in that and what information will farmers gain from doing that? Well, it's actually a very valuable course because, <clears throat> pardon me, I remember, I mean, we're myself, you know, I have a degree in agriculture from 25 years ago and we, we didn't learn an awful lot about, agri- you know, organic farming then, but we went organic ourselves in our own farm 10 years ago, but I remember my, my husband did the course at the time. But it, it, it's just really invaluable in terms of how you would farm organically, you know, how do you manage your grasslands, what do you do about the, the the dreaded weeds, you know, how do you get over those? Uh, and and again, what sort of building requirements are there? So it's really it's really gives an insight to to farmers as to what they need to be doing to become organic. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the courses are run by a, a number of different, um, you know, like Chagas runs a course, um, Knots is a, the National Organic Skill Net Training will run the courses. But it's important to have that. You don't have to have it done to apply, but you need to have it done, you know, within mm-hmm. I think a certain period of time afterwards. So it's important that that course is is done but it'll be it'll be highly invaluable and highly useful and those courses will be available local because obviously we're talking about mostly rural people so Absolutely, you I don't want them traveling long distance and yeah. adding to i suppose the stress and pressure they're already yes under. And, I, and i think even some of it may may be done remotely but there will be you know there'll be the necessity for for a farm visit you know you'll visit an organic farm but you know i think anyone i've spoken to who's done them um has really enjoyed them and found them very useful and is there a certain criteria that farmers will have to meet to be eligible for it? Um, well, I mean, sometimes the biggest challenge for farmers to go organic is is in the in the mind, and it's it's you know there's you know you you do get a sense from some certain cohorts in agriculture that it's sort of a step backwards and all of this when it that couldn't be any further from the truth. It's very much a, a dynamic way of farming, and it makes you think more about your farm. Certainly, from my experience, when we when we went. I mean, we're beef and sheep farmers and when we went to organic, it really invigorated our, our view of farming and made us think a little bit more longer term. And, you know, it brought a lot of excitement back for us on our farm. And I think for many organic farmers I've spoken to, there is that sense as well that you're sort of taking back a little bit more control of your farm. You're less beholden to, to, to weather and can you get out to get the fertiliser out or is it too windy to spray and all of these issues. You just don't have those. They're not, they're not issues to be dealt with anymore. There are requirements around, um, you know, animal welfare features quite highly on organic 
organic farms if you're if you're a livestock farmer so there will be requirements around um, shed size and you know there needs to be lie backs and they need to be straw bedded you know for animals uh, most farmers can can adapt their current sheds some might have to build on with that you know and we do have um, increased grants uh, for for build, you know under TAMS you know up to sixty percent for for organic farmers um, so you know we are throwing every support we can at this to to encourage farmers um, but ultimately you know you want farmers to embrace it for the right reasons as well the money is there and and look we're working hard to secure markets for all this wonderful produce we'll have in the future and I know that has been you know there has been criticism of that in the past but I think definitely the direction of travel in terms of the demand is particularly in Europe you know is is it, it's a growing demand and and you know for that uh, decade after decade decade it increases um so I think you know in terms of the the changes farmers have to make I think they're doable they've been doable for many thousands of farmers across the country um and certainly I think farmers across you know the midlands too should should certainly have a look at the scheme and when it comes to actually applying for the scheme is it very straightforward or is there some red tape involved in it or have you made it as simple as possible it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward to apply um I mean I suppose the first port of call for anyone interested would be to talk to their their advisor you know their farm advisor who would point them in the right direction I mean alternatively they can they can go on to the uh, gov.ie forward slash organic um, there's a whole page there de- dedicated to it um and uh, nearly as easy as to talk to another organic farmer if you know one and just ask them how they did it but it is relatively straightforward there are there are certain requirements but I, they're not prohibitory at all and um, I don't think they've been too challenging to the vast majority of farmers and this is obviously trying to move farmers in the direction of organic is part of the climate action plan and last week on Midlands 103 we would have heard our local authorities discuss them and the issue was raised in Westmeath and it was mentioned in particular that farmers need to be brought into the discussion and brought along with the plans that each local authority have like how do farmer how do you get fa- farmers to engage in that process and how do you bring them along with with your plans um no it is an important point it is always important to to bring bring particularly the cohort who will maybe most affected by by the plans and certainly at a national level you know the national climate action plan has a sizable chapter on agriculture and and you know quite a significant number of actions in there you know some big and some small um and you know for, for the the likes of that i mean certainly we've engaged with farm organizations and um, um, you know to try and shape what those those actions look like you know and uh, at a local level um, certainly I would encourage you know the local authorities and even the councillors to to keep that in mind if there are going to be impacts on farming communities to, to engage with them because um, you know if you if you want somebody to you know if you'd like somebody to do something for you and you haven't uh, told them or engaged with them before that's going to be very difficult for them for them to do that so um, I think that that just making sure that communication is well and truly open and during the discussion on climate action on the climate action plan in Leash, councillors also raised concern about flooding along the rivers and described how some farms of land are underwater and the cattle had to be rescued. Um, and we'll also hear later in the show from the Save Our Shannon organisation. So I suppose what has been done to help support farmers who are dealing with flooding on their land at the moment and dealing with 
that uncertainty or that fear, living with that fear that their land is going to be flooded? Look, it's a, it's a, it's a massive challenge and, you know, my full sympathies with anyone in that situation. I mean, a few parts of our own farm are underwater, but not to the extent of, of some of those, um, you know, along major waterways um, you know and, and, and certainly along the like the Shannon Callows as well has been while it is you know while it is in a floodplain you know out of, the, out of the wrong time of the year and particularly during the summer it's been a massive challenge on, on the Callows um, and I know this year has been particularly challenging full stop to, to make fodder and, and all sorts of as- aspects so again I think we have to look at it, there's a long term view to t- take here as well in terms of how we manage flood waters and how we how we manage that and we've seen you know catastrophic images from towns particularly you know Middleton there last week we've seen Newry this week in terms of flood flooding affecting people's homes and businesses I mean equally it, do, it is affecting upstream um, farm farm businesses also um, I think we do need to consider all of this you know in in particularly within our, we're doing a land use review at the moment, a national land use review and you know this is going to have to figure significantly in that. I mean there may be parts of the country that you know over the next number of decades with climate change might become unfarmable and you know we have to be prepared for that and what are we going to do for those farmers on those lands and on those floodplains we certainly do need to be looking at mechanisms to, to support them um, and, and perhaps in the future maybe enabling flooding there might prevent something further downstream but we need to be supporting and paying for that because that is a huge social um, service that would be served by that but these are really significant and important questions that need to be teased out for sure. Because it's been an issue for a long time like we would have seen in 2009 extreme flooding in the Athlone area and obviously that does impact further, further down and then the government have to put in compensation schemes to assist people so there's a lot of money being spent Mm -hmm. in the aftermath are we spending enough to make sure that we don't need to compensate businesses and and people for for flooding? Well absolutely and I think continuing to pay compensation isn't a sustainable model and it really isn't dealing with what the issues are and I think look we do need to take a a, a sort of a a blended approach here, a hybrid approach, you know we do need to protect you know those towns and villages that are most at risk and that might mean hard you know concrete infrastructure in those towns but further afield and further up, up, back up the, the, the rivers and the waterways, there might be a, a more sort of a nature-based approach to take and a lot of people think, oh dear, no, we're not doing that, just dredge the river. Dredging the river, you know, at, there might be some need for that but ultimately continuing to dredge waterways isn't the answer to this because it essentially speeds up the flow of water um, when sometimes you just need to slow it down give it a chance to get away um, and in in this climate changing time we now live in, water, sea levels are rising, you know, they'll be rising a metre or maybe two metres over the next 50 or, or 70 years, that is significant the water has nowhere to go so we have to look at how we manage our land in the best possible way to A, absorb as much water as we can but B, enable it to be uh, farmed uh, lived on and you know for communities to, to live safely in so it's, it's a huge challenge but you're right we do need to take a very a long term vision on this as well as just dealing with the, the here and now 
Minister Pippa Hackett, thank you very much for giving us your time this evening. And if people do want to find out more about the Organic Farming Scheme, how can they find out that information? I think the best bet for, for from tonight, if people are on their phones or by a laptop, is to go to gov.ie forward slash organic. Um, but alternatively, you know, check out um, Chagas will have an organics page, the ACA will too, um, and speak to your advisor, I think. And it's up until the 8th of December. The 8th of December, exactly. That's yeah. great. Thank you very much. Still to come, we will be hearing from a Save Our Shannon organisation about their concerns about flooding along the Shannon. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Still to come tonight, we'll find out how you can save on your energy bills this winter. But first, the Taoiseach is being urged to meet with the Midlands Campaign Group in relation to plans to prevent future flooding of the River Shannon. The Save Our Shannon Group held a number of protests in Offaly earlier this year after bales of hail hay and silage were destroyed as a result of flooding. Taoiseach Leo Radker says while it won't be soon, he will reply to the invitation. Longford Westmeath Sinn Féin TD Sirka Clark says farmers along the Shannon are still feeling the impact of summer flooding. Nightmare flooding along the River Shannon. Those who farm from Athlone to Mealick know only too well of that impact. They have experienced it repeatedly and they are living with the consequences of it still today. They have no silage, no grazing due to that continuous summer flooding, increased by the lack of action between the three government agencies, the OPW, Waterways Ireland and the ESB. Emily Young is the Secretary of Save Our Shannon Organisation and she says things are getting worse there. Well, they are very bad. They're actually extremely bad now. It's got worse since we had those demonstrations. It has got enough that worse. And we're actually in winter floods now. It hasn't reached anybody's house, not that we know of, but land is desperately impacted, unquestionably, and it's flooded. It's the way it's going now. It's on the road in Clannown and it will be, I think, it's, it's heading towards our own road. What were you calling for when you held the demonstrations in August? Well, at that time, it was to, to draw attention to the very fact that our land, the land of, of the farmers was flooded. Now, I want to make a point at this stage, I am not a farmer, but my neighbours are farmers and I see, what, I see what's happening. And at that point, when we were there in the earlier part of this year, July, August, there was approximately 7,000 acres of silage underwater at that stage. And basically what that means, that there's not only seven acres of silage stroke fodder gone, but there was also 7,000 7, acres of grazing land destroyed as well. That sludge never went away, Sinead. You obviously live along the Shannon, Emily. What have you seen over the years? Well, it's actually getting steadily worse, you know, and we have been trying to draw attention to it. Our groups, so so safe, our Shannon organisation, we have been drawing attention to that for many years. Now, well, let me just preface that. Now, our group are involved since about um, 2015, 2016. But prior to that, down the years, and from listening to others talking, who have lived through this area, there was always a problem with the Shannon. But that was primarily because there was no maintenance on it, of it at all down the years, not, from, not since the time the British Army left, or the counterparts um, um, left. Look, it's livelihood. You know, that's their business. 
farmer, anybody that's farming now, it's a business. It has to be a business for them. So their business is gone. And that's the, the bottom line. That land cannot be used again until, if we are lucky, if they are lucky, until about, I think, probably April of next year. And what does the group uh, Save Our Shannon organisation want? We have three firms and they're very easy to put into place. And we have we have brought those aims to the attention of the various government agencies down the years. And we might as well be talking to the man in the moon. And basically what our aims are, we want one agency to manage the river. Our second point is to reduction, reduce the level of the water in the three lakes, Loch Allen, Loch Ree and Loch Derg, in order to enable storage during winter flooding. There's been a lot of heavy rain over the last month or so and we've seen scenes from Cork where um, towns have been flooded and in Newry in the north yes. as well. Oh, yes. Are you fearful that the similar will happen along the Shannon? Well, we have been there and we have got our, our hearts go out to the people in Cork and up further north. We know what it's like because in our area we have lost three families. They've just had to up and go because of the flooding. Their homes were no longer viable to live in. So we know what that's like. But it's a very interesting point that you make now. You talk about the south and up along the east coast and the northeast coast. It's very interesting because all of those areas have been mentioned on the radio. And our area, the Shannon, that is the main drainage system in Ireland, has not got a mention. It's like as if we don't exist. And it's not that we're looking for publicity. Believe you me, we're not. But it's just the fact that it's not even mentioned. Because we did see the scenes, I think it was 2009, 2010 in Athlone of people mm-hmm. being rescued from their homes in boats mm-hmm. because yeah. of the level of flooding and obviously measures have been put in around the Athlone area but not further down the Shannon. Absolutely. You're absolutely right on that. Nothing has been done further south of the Shannon. It's the town and they need it, absolutely need it and we all need the town and we're, we're very happy that they are being protected. But there is, there are the things that can be done to mitigate the, the flood. Like what I have suggested, the lowering of the levels in the lake, that can be done. There's no question of doubt about that. It just demands goodwill. And the other point, the removing of the Silt levels further, further between Athlone and Banagher, and then the agency to manage the river. It's not possible to manage the River Shannon with all the governance bodies that are involved in the, manage, the so-called management of it. And you've previously requested a meeting with the Taoiseach Leo Faradkar about this. Sinn Féin, Longford Westmead TD, Circa Clark raised this in the Dáil uh, just yeah. last week and um, the Taoiseach says that while it won't be soon, he will reply to the invitation. What did you think when you heard that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I put the question back to you, and maybe we put it out to our to our audience and let them um, decipher what to make of that. But I know one thing for a fact. We have emailed the Taoiseach on the 6th and the 10th, Actually, we have eaten of them. I, oh, I'm not going to even go into the details. But we've emailed them about five times since the flood started in July. We have we haven't had we have had one one line reply that the matter was being dealt with. And that was it. 
Now, he has received our emails, I know that. And do you hold out any hope of him meeting the group? Well, I don't know. I, I, I certainly don't know. If it wasn't serious, it would be laughable at this stage. But I just know that I, I see his interest is not in what's happening in a throne anyway. So what's the next step for your organisation then if you're still going to have to wait for a meeting with, with the Taoiseach? Have you any more demonstrations planned? Oh, there will always be demonstrations as long as we're as long as long we're alive because we're not going to go away at this stage. But there's also another point. We have been on to um, Patrick O'Donovan and we actually emailed him on the 9th of, of July and I just quote from something that we got if it's okay with you, I wish to acknowledge receipt of your correspondence uh, in relation to Mr. Patrick O'Donovan in relation to the River Shannon. I will bring the contents of your correspondence to the attention of the Minister and you will receive a more substantive response. That's it. And how long ago was that? That was the 13th of July, I think. Yes, 13th of July. So we're still waiting and he's still... So four months on and still nothing? No, no, nothing. Even we even um, emailed him, I think it was last Monday week, that's probably the 13th, I think. And uh, the, that I didn't even get an acknowledgement. We've also been in touch with Charlie McConnell. We haven't got any acknowledgement from him. And we have been in touch with Eamon Green and Ian. We haven't got any acknowledgement from him either. So actually, in all honesty, we are being victimised and we are being discriminated against and there's no question of doubt about that. That was Emily Young from the Save Our Shannon organisation. The Taoiseach says he will meet the group, but he doesn't know when that will be. Do you think that answer is good enough? Well, if you're living along the Shannon, get in touch on the Lamb Brothers text line 083 30 10 103 or send a WhatsApp to that number and let me know what it's like in your area. Or indeed, if you're experiencing flooding in Leash, Offaly or Westmeath, get in touch with us. Still to come tonight, how to save money on your energy bills and there will be the royalty of the farming community in the studio next. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington in Business Park Tillamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands, worshaw.ie. Well, I'm now in the presence of royalty. I'm joined by three of the ladies who will be representing the Midlands in this year's Queen of the Land Festival. Joanne Tehan, who hails from Ballagmore in is Leisha's Queen, with uh, Grace Hoare flying the flag for Offaly, and Rachel Hastings from Ballyforan, who is representing Roscommon. And they will be hoping to take the title at the 59th year of the festival next weekend. Good evening, ladies. Hi Sinead. Well, how are you? How is everyone feeling? We're good, good. Excitement good. is well, building. Rachel, I'll start with you. Tell me why you decided to sign up for it. Well, I suppose I um, entered the Greenland Festival as I have um, attended it for many years. Um, cheering on fellow um, Ucker members and have thoroughly enjoyed the festival um, and I suppose this year um, I was finally given the opportunity to be the Earth Common Queen um, and I'm truly honoured and excited um, it's a fantastic festival which celebrates young women um, from your rural communities um, 
and you know, there's so much involved in the weekend. There's so much entertainment and the meeting of new friends. And, and you know, it's a fantastic outlet for young people and um, part of Makara. And I suppose I look forward to spending time with the like-minded queens. And I apologise for my hoarseness because I was at um, the Makara rally at the weekend in Annasloe. Well, hopefully you'll have your voice back for Friday week. <laughs> yeah. And what about yourself, Grace? Why did you decide to put your name down? Well, I chose to do the Queen's Land Festival as I feel it's a really great opportunity to showcase and celebrate all the talented female farmers that are all around Ireland. And, uh, of course, like the female farmers are driving the industry in the right direction. And I feel it's really important to recognise all their achievements and everything that they do. So that's why I felt like I wanted to do it. And Joanne, was it something that was always on your bucket list? Was it now or never? It was now or never. So I suppose I joined Macra in 2016 and every year since I've attended the festival and every year I think, oh, maybe this year, maybe this year. And for whatever reason, I kept chickening out or thinking, oh no, uh, somebody else might be more suitable. And this year I just said, no, I'm going to go for it now. And, you know, here we are. And it can be a nerve-wracking experience. Rachel, how are you feeling about getting up on stage? Um, well, I suppose, like anything, to get up on stage, you're nervous a little bit, but I suppose um, following the launch um, a couple of weeks ago, I have met the girls, so I suppose we've all made each other at ease, having met each other, and I suppose we're all looking forward to hearing um, each other's achievements and what we've achieved as women from rural communities. Um, and I suppose it's all about promoting young women um, in farming and seeing that it is an important career for the future. And I'm looking forward to hearing each and every um, other Queen's story and hearing about their achievements and how what details have, um, I suppose, how they've participated in Makra to date. And Grace, how are you feeling about uh, getting up on stage? I know Mocker is all all about encouraging communication and putting yourself out there. So is this something that's uh, daunting you a little bit? I wouldn't say daunting now, but I'm looking forward to it. Like I love trying new things and like stepping outside of my comfort zone. So I just feel this is a really good opportunity for me to make new friends and new like new contacts and broaden the horizons and learn more about myself as well. And Burmacra is actually quite a new Makra, so like many people don't real like don't even know that it's up and running. So it'll be a great boost to town and to all the local businesses and everything to have it in the town. And we're really looking forward to it. Mm. And Joanne, is there competition between yourself and the other queens, or is everyone getting on along very nicely? Oh, I have to say, everyone is getting on so well. And like Rachel mentioned, we had the launch recently, and it was just so great to meet the other girls. And it really broke the ice. And the friendships that have started already, whether it's following each other on Instagram and meeting each other at the rally at the weekend, it has really settled the nerves. And no, I would think there's no competition. I think we're all in it for the fun and the crack that's to be had. And please go a lot of a great weekend together and in, as the girls said enjoy each other each other's company and celebrate each other's achievements because it is ma- mainly men who become farmers now we, we are seeing more and more women so I suppose it's great for for yourselves to be able to get together and support each other and to help each other along the journey because um, 
I know some of you have ambitions to take over your own family farm um, and and to go back and work. Grace, I think you're you're going back to work on your own family farm once you're finished in college. I'm currently studying agricultural science in UCD and after my degree now I'm hoping to go and to inherit it and take it over. So so is, is this a good opportunity for you to maybe build your contacts and, and find that level of support? Because it can be isolating as well um, when you're in, in a rural area. It can be, definitely. But uh, it's really nice to see all the girls. And as you said, like, they're all very like-minded and it's great, and it's great chance to like, network and get to know everyone and get to know everyone in, in similar positions as I am. So it's great. So what does the weekend entail, Joanne, then? What's happening? So we're gathering as a group at 10am on Friday, the 10th of November. And we're going from there, from the county arms to... Uh, Jay, Granite and Sons to their to their yard and we have a tour there and followed by lots of different activities including cocktail making and we have a stage presence in Burr Town and we'll be uh, meeting the locals in Burr and all our supporters and then on the Saturday morning we will have our private interviews followed by getting glammed up with hair and makeup and whatnot uh, for the on-stage interviews that night. And on the Sunday then, we have a crossbar challenge, the Queens uh, versus the Escorts, I believe. And then again, back to getting glammed up and heading then to the banquet that evening. Please don't tell Will Faulkner, uh, who's emceeing on the night, uh, that you're going to cocktail making class because (laughs) he'll never make it to the stage. (laughs) So do you have to have a party piece uh, lined up for this, Rachel? No, um, it's not. It's, there's no party piece involved, I suppose. Um, like the girls have said, there's one-to-one interviews um, on the morning, Saturday morning. And then the on-stage um, interviews are um, that evening. Um, but there's no party piece involved. Well, ladies, best of luck on... uh, So it's Friday the 10th of November. The Queen of the Land Festival is taking place in Burr. And if you want a little tip with Will Faulkner, if you want him to go easy on stage with you, I know he likes vodka. (laughs) If you want to give him a little bribe beforehand. We'll keep that in mind. (laughs) Thanks very much, ladies. And enjoy yourselves. Thanks, Sinead. Well, still to come, we are going to find out how to save money on your electricity bill this winter. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Paddy, uh, Patrick Guinan in Shannon Harbour says, We are very badly flooded in Shannon Harbour. I have failed to even access my land this summer with severe flooding all during the summer. My lands are destroyed this year and next year also as meadow has not been mowed and this affects next year's grass also. I'm very disappointed with our government's response to date. Well, if you have been affected by flooding in your area, you can get in touch by text or WhatsApp on 083 30 10 103, which is powered by the home of Offaly's top selling car brand, Land Brothers Toyota on the Arden Road in Tullamore. Well, as the days grow darker, our energy use will increase and over the last year we've all felt it in our pockets as electricity bills have been rising. However, there was some good news today as over 2 million customers will see their gas and electric 
bills fall by between 10 and 13.5% as Electric Ireland, SSE Electricity and prepay power price cuts take hold. Stephen Robb, who is the sustainability editor with the Irish Farmers Journal, um, says there are certain things that you can do on the farm to help reduce your costs this winter. So we're heading into uh, a year with typically higher energy use um, on farm by, by virtue of um, the, the, the time of the year that it is at winter. Now, depending on the farm, obviously, um, some of the dairy farms may have, um, may have dried off at, at this stage, so energy consumption might fall. But, but for a lot of the, the other high-energy users, pig and poultry, etc., then, then yes, it's, uh, it's, it's quite an intensive time of year. Um, I suppose over the past uh, week or two, we would have seen some good news on the energy price front. Um, at long last, we're seeing fairly significant um, reductions in energy prices being passed on to consumers. So it was over the past six months, we would have seen a fairly dramatic fall in wholesale um, gas and electricity prices, but it just took a while for that to trickle through to retail. But we're finally seeing that. We would have seen Electric Ireland um, come out in the past day um, with 12 percent reduction in gas price which is passing on a 10 percent reduction in electricity prices also reducing the standing charge SSE something very similar 10 and 12 percent electricity and gas respectively flow gas are, are cutting board gas are cutting energy and energy have already cut um, energy prices so um, that, that's that's very welcome I guess we're, we're cutting from a, a very high uh, place. Uh, as in, uh, we all know, um, the electricity prices and the gas prices have never been as high. Um, so while the, the cuts are welcome, uh, we're still facing a winter with, with very, very high um, energy costs. And even when it comes to fuel, whether it's diesel or kerosene, those prices have also been rising. Yes, unfortunately they, they have. Um, and they're here to stay. It seems while they would have seen um, some reductions um, on 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 diesel front in, in particular, and um, there's I suppose the the continued uncertainty in, in global markets, which is what's driving everything at the moment. And uh, what we're seeing in, in the Middle East has caused a a, a bit of a scare in in, um, in in oil prices, which is going to trickle through to diesel prices. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem that um, we're in for any dramatic. Uh, reduction in, in, in evil or carol prices anytime soon. It's not like many areas where you can cut back and reduce because you need whatever electricity that you need to look after the animals and diesel for, for the tractor and all that. But are there things that farmers can do to help reduce their energy costs? Yes, absolutely. Um, you're, you're right. We're, we all need energy. Um, that's never going to change. But I guess how how farmers are looking at energy has, has changed dramatically. Um, obviously, you have the whole energy efficiency piece. Um, or the, the, I mean, that has been drilled into a lot of farmers over the past um, 12 to 18 months. So looking at your energy consumption and seeing what, what areas can be improved, what equipment can be upgraded, what grant is available there to, to upgrade maybe high-efficiency systems, whether it be, be pumps or, or boilers. Um, but if those... You know, you, you will you will see you will see savings there. Uh, my experience that uh, you know a lot of the really high energy users have already done this, and they're they're already quite efficient at how they use energy. 
Um, I suppose that the next big piece um, around this is is looking at renewable energy options uh, and renewable energy alternatives. So in other words, looking at how you can produce your own uh, energy on farm to displace what you're importing. There are um, a number of, of things which farmers can do and, and are actively doing to, um, to try and tackle the high energy costs. I suppose the first area is, is looking at energy efficiency and looking at uh, and all of your equipment which is used on, on farm, uh, whether it be your lights or whether it be your pumps or motors, etc. Um, and looking to see if there are upgrades which you can do um, in order to to have a, a more, more more efficient system. But in my experience, Neil, a lot of the high energy users um, have already done this. You know, and there were really good um, grants available which you could, could do an energy uh, audit or an energy assessment on your farm. Um, so, so a lot of these guys are already really efficient anyway in how they use energy. The next big piece, and this is applicable to all farmers of all scale, um, is to look at how to start producing your own energy on farm, your own renewable energy. Um, and luckily we have some really good grant aid uh, available for farmers uh, at the moment through the SEI and through the Department of Agriculture to, in particular, to install rooftop solar PV, which by and large has become the most um, widely used and widely applicable um, renewable energy system on farm with grant aid today um, and with the, of course the high electricity cost you could be looking at payback periods for a solar PV system of you know three years which is absolutely incredible before the pandemic you could have been talking about seven years plus so at, at solar PV um, and renewable energy in general along with the grant aid, it just, just makes sense um, and that I suppose the high energy costs Unfortunately, it seems that they're they're here to stay. Yet there is scope for them to come back a little bit further. Um, but but looking out into even the middle of the decade, they're still projected to be uh, considerably higher than than pre-pandemic levels. So farmers really need to start looking at the alternatives, um, and that alternative is renewable energy. And you mentioned about the grants. How difficult is it to get the grants? Is there a lot of paperwork involved? Yeah, look, there. There's a bit of work. There's a bit of work involved in, in everything that we do. Um, look, the SEA would have um, would have a number of grants around solar PV, around biomass, etc. Um, look, there's a bit of work depending on the size of the system which you want to um, uh, install. Um, but look, the SEA is a really good team of advisors there to help you along the way. Department of Agriculture, um, they would have a, they have incredible grant aid there on the TAMS. Uh, farmer can get up to 60% um, of a grant towards the cost of a solar PV system. Unfortunately, however, while the application isn't massively onerous and there are most solar PV suppliers will actually help you along the way, um, th- there are massive delays with the TAMS grant aid, uh, unfortunately. So um, no farmer, we understand, has actually been paid yet. Um, for for the grant, uh, they've, they've been approved, but there has been no grant issued. That's for a number of reasons. Um, there are a number of new systems in place. It's not just tabs with delays are in place. Uh, we're we're seeing delays across across pretty much everything to do with the Department of Agriculture at the moment. It's our feeling though that, that this will get sorted, um, and by next year, hopefully, we should see the whole process becoming a bit more uh, streamlined and a little bit quicker. Uh, so certainly for, for any farmer who's considering solar PV or the solar grant, um, you know, they need to start looking into it now to be ready to go for, for the next tranche.
Stephen Robb, Sustainability Editor with the Irish Farmers Journal. Thanks very much for joining me this evening. Join Midlands today for our weekly feature, Hours to Protect, every Thursday morning, where we look at how to create a greener and more sustainable future. Hours to Protect is brought to you by Midlands 103, the IBI, and funded by Commission and Man with the TV licence fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Earlier in the show, we spoke about flooding along the Shannon Callows, and Anna Moran thinks that the Taoiseach is for the birds. It seems his only interest is in Dublin. While Liam Broderick says the Taoiseach has been invited a number of times since July to visit the summer flooding in the Callows and uh, he has visited other flooded areas in the last month. Why is, why is he still considering coming to the Shannon Callows? He should have been there already. Well, that's all we really have time for today, but we can continue this conversation on flooding on the Midlands Today show tomorrow morning from nine. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can send text or WhatsApp to 083 30 10 103. Thank you very much for putting up with me for the last hour. MJ Cleary will be back next Wednesday from seven. Joe Cooney is up next with Country Roads. Goodbye and have a lovely evening. Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands.